when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is November 7th, 2016. This is Austin Walker coming to you live from the bunker. Joining me here in the bunker again, Danielle Riendo. Hello. It's good to be in a bunker. Uh, yeah. Yeah. November right 7th. Now? It sure is. <laughs> also joining me on the line, Patrick Klepek from the field. I, I know I know. everyone gets real nervous on N7 Day. <laughs> <laughs> That's why everyone's nervous. Mass effect stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, exactly. I, I feel like there's an, there's an energy in the air that is... <laughs> I saw someone on Twitter, I forget who it was now, um, describe this as like feeling a little bit like Christmas Eve and the day before a major surgery <laughs> combined yep. into one. Yep. <laughs> it sure is. And whew, how are y'all feeling? <laughs> Scared. Look, I'm I'm feeling great um, because I watched the most amazing Twitter video and I, I was describing it to the both of you uh, and then you stopped me so I could re- re-describe it. <laughs> it's like, stop, I want to hear it fresh. Give, me, <laughs> give it to me fresh on the recording. So if uh, people have probably heard of the documentary series uh, Planet Earth, um, which a number of years ago, but it, you know, it's a series of just really incredible uh, documentary footage of just nature. Like they use these amazing lenses to catch insects and 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 uh and just earth in like really like amazing ways like they do storytelling like it's not right. just giving you information like they show you stories of what's happening out uh in nature and uh so i guess the, the new one is airing i was unaware of the sequel to planet earth but uh there's a clip <laughs> going around where this uh and this is going to sound horrifying as i as i begin to describe it but uh, this uh, baby iguana, like uh, this new hatchling, uh, somehow uh, I, I don't know the context of the clip, but but it opens with um, the, the hatchling being uh, stuck in sort of like this kind of rocky, uh, sandy area, um, and there's this uh, a snake around it, kind of <sighs> eyeing it, and you know oh snakes um, can't see very well, but you know respond to movement, and you know you know can, are very sensitive to that. Uh, and so the the hatchling is staying uh, extremely still. It is not moving. It is waiting for the snake to get far enough away, where it then just begins sprinting for its life and and going at a speed that is obviously amped up by the slow motion and the music. But like it is just it is as though it is being chased by a demon. And what you soon, <laughs> sorry, we're soon, watching it we're live watching as you right live now. narrate this. Yes, and it, it, you, what you soon realize it is not just one snake, but they are in a snake den. There oh are dozens. My God. There are so many snakes. Oh my God. Yes, it's, Look at all these harrowing. snakes. It's harrowing. And and uh, I don't really want to say I will. Okay, I will relieve your anxiety. It does not die. It it makes it it makes it through. It escapes. But I, I don't want to necessarily give you the beat by beat of what happens during that escape oh because it is better than any action film you will watch and yeah. is incredibly terrifying. But I will at least let you know that it ends ends well, at least as well as nature goes. I'm sure the iguana will be killed by something else in the cruelty of nature. But at right. least in this clip, uh, it it is um, 
it's 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 it made me anxious, but then ends so wonderfully that uh, in terms of how you can start your week for a week like this, yeah, there are a few better ways. I think <laughs> you know I like it as a metaphor because it isn't all smiles. You know, like it's 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 a rocky, dangerous world filled with it's snakes. Ac- it is actually like the arc of that video mom. is actually incredibly accurate. In which like you think you're okay, you go to the final sprint. You almost lose it at the finish line, and then you just barely make it to the oh. other side. But but did you? What did you lose in the process? <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, you discovered a lot about the world you were in. You thought the world was one way. It was another way. It was filled with snakes, really. <laughs> Things were easier oh. before you knew you were surrounded by snakes. You know, we all just thought it was like, of course there's a snake. Of course there's a snake or two. But you feel like it's mostly iguanas out there. Right. Turns yeah. out. A lot of hidden snakes. <laughs> you're swimming in a sea of snakes. Good the lord! Lesson, the lesson is to just not move. I guess so, right? Or it's like don't don't move or run as fast as you fucking can. Nothing okay. in between. Yeah. God. So is that um? This is a, a very selfish question. Do you know if Planet Earth Two is coming out on 4K? Oh, <laughs> I have to. Um, well. I don't, I'm probably in Blu-ray form, right? But uh, you know the the, the big uh, hurdle for 4K and 4K is obviously in the news because the uh, PlayStation 4 Pro uh, launches uh, later this week. Um, yeah, like streaming services don't really do 4K. Like Netflix, well, I guess Netflix does with yeah, very specific and, and things. Amazon uh, Prime has no 4K. Amazon Prime uh, has very limited 4K. Also, I so I just got a I got a 4K TV. So oh. so they sent a uh, uh, kind of a, an evaluation review unit of the PS4 Pro, which I left in the office over the weekend because <laughs> I didn't anticipate getting a 4K TV that quickly. I was like, oh, maybe next week I'll try to get it. And then I, you know, so I'm in New York, which means like I know a guy. Like it's a thing that happens yeah, when you live you in do. New York. It's just a thing that yeah. happens. Like you got to sometimes you know a guy. You, you know, know a guy, guy with a deal. Uh, Make sure so, he doesn't jurs you. He didn't jurs me. He, like, don't <laughs> worry. He, he, he hooked it up uh, and he, like saved me three hundred dollars on a nice TV. Um, and it's the first time I've had a, this is the first time I've had a TV with a remote control that's worked in seven years. <laughs> good. Um, good. I, it's like I've been using like a little twenty-seven inch TV for the last seven years. Uh, this is the first like decent TV I've had. And then I got it. I was like, I'm gonna set it up. And I set it up, and I like, made room for it, and you know, it's really pretty. And I was like, all right, what can I? watch on this 4k tv it's like mm-hmm. oh nothing <laughs> like yeah basically nothing <laughs> and so i started man in the high castle which is amazon prime and that's in 4k okay okay but it just looked weird it looked like very strange because i'm not used to seeing things that crisp and like i i, I want something like a planet earth to like break in yeah. the tv with and like get used to seeing stuff like you want that, that baby iguana i want that baby in iguana. beautiful 4k i want this this is like a sloth or something swimming that I'm looking at. I don't know what this is. Yeah. That's what I want. But, I, yeah. but yeah, I don't know if it's out on 4K yet. What uh, size TV did you get? 40 inches, which okay. is... That's about what you need to get to f- appreciate 4K, That is the right? smallest 4K TV there is. <laughs> that okay. is what I look... So I, so I live in New York. I have like a, a decent-sized apartment, but uh-huh. I don't have like... My setup is such that it would be a pain to have a TV that I... This TV had to fit on the desk, is what right. I have to say. So I have, right. a, I have like a decent monitor now, which I bought recently, and then I have a now I have a 4K TV. It's also on the desk as a second monitor, and that will also be like hooked up to the PS4. Sure. Um, and so that was a, a situation where I was like, oh, I would love if I could get like a 32 inch, but I also understand that that's like not how 4K works. Like, <laughs> yeah, you would be you'd be paying a lot of money for something that wouldn't r- display on your TV in an appreciable <laughs> exactly, way. Exactly, exactly. And so I've tried a couple things out. Like I, I did the thing that you get when you get a new piece of hardware, which is like, I'm going to load The Witcher up. I'm going to load up Skyrim. Perfect. I'm going to load up all... I'm going to load up Mafia 3, a highest settings. Like I just jump from game to game to game until it's something that's like, oh yeah, this is pretty. 
uh, and a couple of things definitely were like, dog, you need more RAM. Like, <laughs> you have a great graphics card now. You have a, a good TV, but, like, your computer can't just handle yeah, anything. You're, yeah, you can start uh, – because you, you have a 1070? I have a 10 – no, I have a, a – titan gtx okay right right, right. so oh. yeah that, i mean yeah you but yeah at that point you're just gonna be hitting cpu and, yes. and memory limits yep so i'll get there have you been uh what have you so that's what i did this weekend that's the thing is like this this weekend coming into the election i was like i need to distract myself with stuff so i yes. did a lot of tabletop game prep and i did a lot of um uh shopping for a tv and i found a guy that cut the shopping and you half. found the guy yeah uh what have you two been up to to like get your mind ready for this week and relaxed and or or, or to not get relaxed? I don't know what your I don't know what your <laughs> mental state is. Maybe you're like jacked in. You're just like give it to me straight. That's no, been- I, yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I went to my parents' like tiny lake house and just got away from the internet and video games Smart. and like I, yeah, I, I sort of like took a break from everything and was like I'll come back to this and where I can't avoid it. But I'm uh, I still managed to play and finish Titanfall 2's campaign and start the first hour of Infinite Warfare. But other than that, I I did my best to just go enjoy the last decent weather uh, that we're probably going to get out here in the Midwest and <laughs> deal with the crushing <laughs> cold and everything else uh, <laughs> from here. Crushing reality. Well, you did write a really cool story that went up this week as true. well. That you know, I I read it and I I took a look at it and I made the. Uh, amazing header for it but uh i i wanted to uh just hear a tiny bit more about uh what made you want to write that story it was about the 90s senate hearings uh on violence in video games and i i am fascinated because i I didn't know much about this until i sort of saw your story yeah we uh you know when we were kind of uh, conceiving what sort of like the first couple weeks of uh sort of leading up to waypoints launch and then the actual launch like one of the ideas we had was you know taking this concept of the the games we love and then you know, picking two of those games and then finding one to sort of write like why that game means something to us. And then another that was, uh, you know, let's maybe try and find a, an original angle for this, whether it's reporting or, you know, doing a sort of a retrospective. Um, and we became so busy that just there was no real way for everyone to contribute <laughs> no, something sure like that. Wasn't. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of slipped through. But uh, I managed to kind of, uh, you know, what I became fascinated with was, uh, you know, the games that really defined sort of my pre-teenage years uh, were games like Doom, and which I did write about. And then the other was Mortal Kombat. Uh, you know, I just think they remember Mortal Monday, um, which right. was this big promotional thing for the console release of the original Mortal Kombat. Uh, I remember... Uh, you know, getting into uh, uh, so basically, when growing up, uh, most of the cool kids own Nintendo, and uh, the losers uh, own Genesis machines. Disagree. It's like a, <laughs> a, a a very you know uh, yeah. crude way of looking at, it, but that's that we made fun of people that own Sega machines. Like we looked down on them uh, because the better, cooler games were on on Super Nintendo and on NES. Uh, and with Mortal Kombat, it was one of the few opportunities for those kids to stab us in the throat. Because Mortal Kombat on uh, the original one, at least on Super Nintendo, Nintendo forced Acclaim, who ported the games to uh, to consoles, to uh, to nerf the the violence. So the fatalities were uh, outright changed, so that most of the violence was removed, or it was it just was not nearly as egregious as it was in the arcade. Uh, the uh, sw- the blood was turned to sweat. <laughs> that if you changed the yeah. setting, you could make it red sweat. So it got like a little bit closer. And even the Genesis version uh, was. Uh, toned down but there was a cheat code you could put in that made it arcade accurate so this is a long way to say i was i was looking for sort of angles on that that i wouldn't have considered when i was younger and it would certainly not be the 1993 senate hearings in which you know uh joseph lieberman uh was uh, essentially pushing 
the uh, uh, the uh, FEC to investigate video games and, and this idea that maybe video games were going to have to be regulated by the government as technology was making video games more realistic. And while we may not think of Mortal Kombat or Night Trap as realistic in 2016, at the time when you could put actual actors into video games and you could interact with them, that was a step for a lot of people that made them uncomfortable or at least it was uh, shocking in a way that like, I don't blame people for being like raising an eyebrow. And so right. yeah. uh, what I ended up doing was you know, I was hoping to talk to one of the two executives that spoke on behalf of the video game industry um, uh, from both Nintendo and Sega. That wasn't really possible, but uh, I spent a number of years uh, working uh, with Perrin Kaplan, who was you know, sort of the head of communications for Nintendo yeah. for a very long time. Uh, she was there uh, through a lot of the 80s uh, and up through or a lot of the early 90s and up through the launch of the Wii. And so I met and have worked with her for a number of years. And so I sent her a message asking, you know, were you involved in this? And, you know, she, as it turns out, comes from politics. You know, it's where she met her husband. She still does politics, uh, uh, sort of PR stuff to this day. And she was, you know, part of Nintendo's chief strategist for how to approach Capitol Hill, how to uh, make sure you got uh, folks like Senator Lieberman to think of video games more holistically than just as uh, Mortal Kombat and Night right. Trap. And so I basically talked to her about Nintendo's strategy and how they kind of painted Sega as a villain on Capitol <laughs> Hill, in, in, in which was... You know, they could, they, you know, Perrin Kaplan made the argument to me that it wasn't a marketing thing. I, I think she may be looking on that as yeah. in slightly rose-colored uh, glasses. I, I do, I, be, I agree with her that they had, like, a, a, a strategy that was good for video games as a whole. Right. Um, it was one of those was, things where, like, almost by throwing Sega under the bus, they were making the case that video game, the video game industry could self-regulate and did yes. have a, a, an ability to discern different sorts of, of entertainment. Um but it also, yeah. <laughs> but also, they got to throw their competitor under the bus, right? Yeah. <laughs> so at like the largest stage, right? Yeah, in front of everybody. Yeah, and so I, uh, you know, so I have this article up, you know, with me uh, talking with uh, Perrin. Uh, but I also, you know, if people have time, um, there are if you click on there's a YouTube link in there that has sort of the full hearings. There was a follow up hearing in 1994 that's far less interesting because basically the industry got its uh, shit together, made the ESRB, had a rating system, and any sort of push for legislation to uh, sort of encroach on video games fell apart. Right. Um, but uh, the, the three hour hearings are are especially watching the, the intro from uh, Lieberman and uh, the other senator uh, who uh, co-chaired it that uh, I'm blanking on, their opening statements Cole? are interesting. Something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, just the way they frame video games and use things like marketing to uh, – which the 90s video game marketing was incredibly hyperbolic in terms of um, how they portrayed violence. Um, and it was, it was just clear that video games are off in their own corner making tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars and pretending like – somehow they managed to get away without a spotlight. And with these hearings data was essentially, I think what I argue in the piece a little bit was it, it was, it was the, one of the best things that happened to the industry because had they not had that moment before they went too much further along, you know, maybe they would have had to face more dire consequences. And instead right. they got their shit together, made the ESRB and uh, were able to get the government off their back. 
Yeah, one of the things that was interesting, too, about that piece, Patrick, was it reminded me that before the ESRB, there was this, like, fragmented, like, each each publisher, not publisher, each um, each platform holder had their own, like, internal system that wasn't really anything other than, like, a loose advisory system. Like, there was no relationship with retailers. There was no, like, actual, like, decision to say if you were under 18 or under 17, you couldn't buy this or this game. Like, it was just this whole mess of different rating stuff. Yeah, it was weird. Like, yeah, the, you know, Sega had their own voluntary rating system, and uh, Nintendo uh, didn't do a rating system, but just made the argument that they were content uh, sort of like uh, gatekeepers, right. and that if you bought something on Nintendo, the reason they had things like the seal of quality, uh, which was a gold sticker um, that was on the box, like things like that were meant to indicate to families, if you buy a Nintendo platform, those games will not appear on our platform um and you don't right. so you don't have to worry about what's in the games because we've done that for you which is not a great uh system and <laughs> no, and, no. and sega's being voluntary is also not a, a great system and so all this stuff kind of came together in a way that it's like okay he's got to find something that uh you know works with retailers is is punishable uh in some way um if retailers don't uh, participate um and that also gets everyone uh, on board um, in a sort of non-platform yeah. uh, specific way. I do wonder if we'll see a revision of any of this stuff going forward yeah. in the near, or not just of the ESRB specifically, but like I go on Steam and I like click on new games and it's like, oh, like half of these are hentai games now. Yeah. Like censored hentai games, but like that's a huge par- portion of the, the Steam uh like store shelf now. Uh, and it feels like there's another conversation waiting to be happen or happen waiting to happen around sex in games, around violence in games again, in, in, in hopefully a more mature way that's about opening that space up but still keeping it regulated? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I wonder if VR is actually going to be sure. sort of what pushes that forward. Being like, there's there's another step here of you're embodying mm-hmm. the person sort of doing this violence as opposed to sort of seeing it on a screen. I wonder if that's going to be the tact they take i'm not sure uh, like if you were the sort of person who wanted to have that who wanted to have that conversation in a really aggressive way vr is a great excuse for that um and that's frustrating because i think that there are conversations to be had around media content but not ones that are like really unnuanced and just like this is bad right exactly like fuck fuck out of here with that but let's have that other conversation and and let's be responsible about this media that we love in the same way that like we should be responsible if you love cars you should be responsible about emissions and about like making sure that you're not going 60 miles over the speed limit like (laughs) let's like let's reach that common ground but let's have a conversation about what that common ground is yeah well and two i just one sort of final thought like to kind of thread it uh to the esrb uh the esrb is in some ways uh, endangered uh, in the mm. sense that Steam, which is essentially where pretty much everyone, you know, you know, if I'm going to paint with a broad brush, buys their games uh, on PC, uh, it is not a requirement to have an ESRB right. rating to sell on Steam. Um, it is not a requirement to have an ESRB rating to release something on the Google Play or uh, the App Store. Sure. Um, now, there are sort of content ratings and guidelines on there that uh, that developers are have to put, but it is far different than submitting it to sort of a, you know, holistic, you know, organization that's meant to represent the video game industry. If anything, it seems like we're headed towards a world in which as we move to more digital and retail becomes less of a factor in which there are sort of with what happened originally, which was that, you know, you know, we're going to have platform specific approaches to ratings. And now maybe because ratings are just so ingrained, it won't, matter as much it won't right. become a thing but it's kind of it's kind of fascinating to look at it going back to in some ways what it used to be and that 20 years from now 
maybe, you know, the ESRB ratings, uh, you know, are only for the biggest games that are sold at retail and everything else just kind of does its own thing. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I like, Patrick, that the thing that you did now to distract yourself from politics is dig deeper into the history of the politicization <laughs> of video games. Well, I love, I mean, if I watch, if I pay attention to anything other than video games, uh, it's, it is politics, yeah. but I, you know, even as someone that would describe, self-describe as a political junkie, I am tired of this uh, election <laughs> sure, and want sure. it to be over. So it's like, it was fascinating to go look at a different time, a different set of subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I was able to sort of scratch my itch without having to uh, peel my skin off in the same <laughs> way that I've been doing in the last two weeks. Uh, Danielle, what about you? What did you do over the weekend? Oh, my God. Well, I went for pure escapism. I also okay. slept a lot, which was awesome. That's escapism. That was good. I liked that. Uh, but pure <laughs> escapism, I watched a whole bunch of Yuri on Ice. Oh, word. The extremely extremely gay ice skating anime uh which is about uh, this young man he's 23 he's sort of at the the tail end of his figure skating career and this this other incredibly incredibly attractive dude who is like also a, a champion ice skater kind of comes into his life and wants to be his coach and they have this relationship that is very intense uh it, it is just just such a wonderful show it's actually really cool because the show is actually about sort of the mechanics of figure skating and how you practice and how you figure out a routine and how you, you know, choose the music to that routine and how you, you know, how much it's about expressiveness and dance and as well as sort of the technical tricks. And also, of course, about these relationships, these very intense, close relationships that Yuri has with his coach and with his friends. Um, I'm not... I'm new to anime. I have an anime life coach. (laughs) (laughs) Let's put it this way. I have an anime life coach. Yeah, it's all it's all Amanda's fault. Um, who's been showing me like the sports anime because she knows I'm I'm such a right. little jock, and yeah. she's like, "All right, Danielle, I know what you're gonna like." So she got me really into the bike anime, which I know it's probably another bike anime, but no, that's the bike. If you say Yawapita, the bike anime, <laughs> yeah, Yoa Peta, damn it, because yeah, pedals, got it. pedals, ah, or Yoa, yeah. Yoa Yo-a pedal, Yoa Peta, yeah. which is also really cool. Mm-hmm. It's a cool bike anime where again. I'm into it because I'm learning about, like, the mechanics of cycling and how, like, you know, I'm a distance runner. So, like, sort of adding that in, the strategies of a distance runner and the strategies of, like, a cyclist mm-hmm. who's a sprinter and who's a hill climber and all this stuff. I'm way more into that than, like, the actual characters, to be honest. Like, the characters are cool and I'm excited about them, but I, you, you like I the want to learn. Stuff, right. I want to learn about the sports stuff. Totally. I became, like, a... You know, I've always played sports. I've always been like a super, super jock, but I only became like a sports fan in the last couple of years where I actually get really interested in the like the real mechanics, the real nitty gritty of like what a great baseball player does, you know, what a great pitcher does, what a what a great, you know athlete of any of kind anything. Is, right, really. right, right. What's it mean to, to succeed in those different spaces? Exactly. Both like physically and tactically. Tactically and yes. like what the design of it is and yes. what the yeah that's really I've cool. only just become uh, really into that. I also went to this was cool. This was really cool. This is what I did last night. I went to an alt circus pole dancing competition. Okay, which is not really pole dancing in the traditional yeah. sense. It wasn't really like about the stripping. It was it was like an aerial act that right. had to do with it was like, like a Cirque du Soleil exactly right. Exactly, which was amazing, and I was like, "Wow, the human body can move in these." The human ways. body can do a lot of things. Oh, yeah. I think next season, next anime season is when we get the pole dancing. Yes, the pole anime. dancing competition, competition. anime. Yeah, yeah I, I hope so because I want to hear about the oh. the moves. That there's they- the there's the <laughs> anime that's out this year that is about 
like butt fighting on Good. on floating things on poles. Like girls <laughs> doing butt fight. That's a thing. This I want to hear about the mechanics of uh, butt fighting. It's a lot about that. I want to know about, all about it. It's a big thing. There's a really great. Is it called we, cheek to cheek? It's not called. Cheek. I don't know. What it's, oh, it might, I, I don't know. <laughs> butt fighting anime. Butt I'll put in fighting. Google. Cheek to um, cheek. There's a really. I do want to shout out a really great uh, article by Jacob Hope Chapman over on Anime News Network called "What's So Gay About Yuri on Ice." Oh, good. Uh, it's really a really great deep dive into the ways in which queerness has been used in sure. anime over the years, ranging from like uh, kind of unspoken joke to like implicit like fan uh, uh, fan service where it's like, oh, will they? Won't they? Yeah. Like what? What? You know, this article digs deep into the term queer baiting and like takes sure. a very critical but nuanced perspective on that on on whether or not like. Hey, is that kind of dismissive of of implicit of the the pleasure of implicit uh, right. queer relationships? Does every queer relationship in media need to be like consummated with physical? Right, right. Like, and, and and so the thing that they end up kind of walking away with is like one of the things that makes Yuri, Yuri on Ice so special is that it doesn't it isn't hiding the fact that these two characters are physically attracted to each other. Like that yes. is a thing that recurs, and not in a way that is like dressed up uh, so much. Though apparently that does still happen sometimes. I, it's, it feels like, it, I don't know, it, it's very much feels like it's building towards maybe something a little more explicit. Like, in, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's sort of a revelation in the most recent episode where there, there's an explicit use of the L word. They say love. And it's like, oh. Ooh, what's that know? mean? Yeah, what does that mean? Oh, so I, a there's, a lot, there's a lot there. And I have strong feelings about queer baiting and whether or not something is queer baiting or not. But I really love this show it's really good it's really beautiful and i did play a video game what did you play i played more of even the ocean which i talked about a little bit uh last time but it's oh my god it's so beautiful well say it one more time a thing that someone wrote in and and requested was like hey when we talk about games let's shout them out at the beginning and the end because i always forget that and it's very useful especially because we play weird stuff sometimes that is not easy it's not like on the top of of your head it's on the tip of your tongue it's a thing they've never heard of before so what's it called again okay it's called even the ocean it's okay. from Analgesic Studios, the folks who made Anodyne, if, if you know about that game. Uh, I played a little bit more of it. It is just a really, really beautiful platformer with a lot of a lot going on in sort of the story land, the story level. Uh, you can actually play it. One thing that's really I really like about this game, it's not something that I'm using, but the folks who made it, uh, and, I, and I believe it's a two-person team, really, uh, they they wanted it to be so accessible that you could just kind of play the story. You huh. can skip the really sort of challenging platforming, which... Yeah, I'm kind of like, why would you want to? It's wonderful. It's it's very well designed. It's interesting. It has sort of a, a cool mechanic where you have to balance two energies in your body. One makes you jump higher. One makes you jump further horizontally. And you kind of need to use that in these, you know, challenging 2D platformer segments. But they did. They wrote such a cool and personal and, and, and very kind of beautiful story that they were like, hey, if you want to just play the story, you can do that, too. It's, it's right. just like a mode in the game that you can do, uh, which is cool. I, I like that. I like when developers kind of say, play it your way right, a little right. bit, you know. Go so. for it. Like, that's definitely been one of those things that I've come back to again and again. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. 
yahoofinance.com. Over the last year around, obviously, conversations around difficulty, but also there, there was a really productive conversation earlier this year about whether or not Dark Souls should have like a story a chill mode, mode, a chill mode, yes. um, which I thought was, regardless of where you come down on it, it was one of the few conversations about Dark Souls that still felt fresh um, yes. because so often the conversations – I love Dark Souls. I will talk about Dark Souls all day. Like, but privately with my friends who also love Dark Souls, because I feel like I've talked out Dark Souls in, in a real way <laughs> sure. to a pub, to an audience that often doesn't care about it, um, or like on a dedicated podcast. Like I think something like Bonfire Side Chats, yes. which is a great podcast. It's about Dark Souls. You know what you're signing up for. Go listen to it. It's great. Um, versus just like having the like, oh, did you know that Dark Souls is difficult conversation? <laughs> or like, did you know that Dark yeah. Souls 1 has a big interconnected world? It's like, yeah, I, I know. I watched that video. Talk we all watched that. that video. It's a Six good video. Years. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, for the record, the name of the butt-fighting anime is Keijo, K-E-I-J-O, and then eight exclamation points. Perfect. Perfect. That sounds it, like a butt-fighting anime. It does. For sure. uh, the thing about, about a lot of these, these sports anime is, is that they uh, – they focus on the ways in which different teams compete against each other and like there's a lot of drama in in Japanese like even in like Japanese wrestling it's like this where it's like it's about like the heart of the spirit and the heart of fighting and all of that uh, and one of the things that I'm curious about is that once the Overwatch League comes into being if we'll have that same sort of like deep fandom around the New York team versus the Singapore team because that's actually for me the most interesting story of last week yeah video game news cycle uh, so BlizzCon happened Yes, I'm going like, to zoom past all the stuff people actually care about, which is like <laughs> new Overwatch character, Somber. She's a hacker. She's a 30-year-old hacker. She's got a cool haircut. That's been a real thing on the internet. For she's, sure. got, she's got an undercut going on. Yeah. Uh, well, Diablo 3 expansion, Necromancers. Yep, that happened. Patrick, do you, do you like Necromancers? I mean, generally speaking. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like Dag coming yeah, back Dag right just there. slipped through. <laughs> Dag's had some... That's true. That's I've, I've heard... I've heard Dag has some feelings about the undead. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, the, hey, if you, uh, I will say, I will point to like the console version of Diablo Three is really goddamn good. Yes, um, like I would highly recommend folks go back and play that at some point. I did that one during some slow period with games. Uh, I did it co-op. I definitely do a co-op by yourself. It's fine, but it is. It is in terms of like a chill co-op game. It is. There is few games better than the right. console versions of of Diablo Three. Uh, but for me, the big news coming out of BlizzCon, the thing that I'm most interested in, on top of all their other, like, here's a game you can go play stuff, is that they are making an esports league for Overwatch that is distinct in many ways yeah. from what the comp- its competitors are in the space of esports, right? So if you look at the other major esports leagues across genre, from first-person shooters to MOBAs to, you know, everything in between, the RTS games, it tends to be the case, fighting games even, where, like, there are teams, but those teams are organized around, um, you know, uh, hardware manufacturers or just around moneyed interests, right? <laughs> it's just like, oh, this is a company, like, that is an esports company, and they have a team. The Pornhub team and such. The Pornhub yeah. team yeah. and such, exactly. <laughs> shout out to the Pornhub team. Yeah. Good luck this season on whatever game do, it is you're do playing. Do your thing, um, folks. But the way Blizzard is, is building the Overwatch League is that it's being built around international cities. Uh, and part of the way it's doing that is that, like, it's also offering salaries and benefits to players. Yeah. It's it's all about stability and long-term investment and less so about the kind of boom-bust cycle that you see in a lot of esports. Like, one of the things that I know, I've noticed following esports a little bit more closely over the last few months is that you can see some great players who, like, move from team to team with rapidity. Like, that is 
not that players in, in traditional sports don't get traded or don't change teams. Of course that happens. Of course there are free agents and all that. But there's a sort of like, oh, this person was on this team for six months. Now that team is gone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they've moved on to this other place. And and I think that that's exciting in some ways because there can be lots of drama and lots of, this guy's on one team, now he's on that. Oh, he's going against his old friend and blah, blah, blah. Like that stuff's great. But you lose the sort of long tail rivalries that make sports so exciting. Yeah. Um, you would never get, like the the Cubs of what? Who are the Cubs of the esports world? Right. I used, in my traditional Tolstoy is the Tolstoy of the Zulus. The Cubs are the Cubs of esports. <laughs> but nice. <laughs> but <laughs> good. Uh, you know, the, I guess the thing that is exciting about this is that this is for me. And we'll see how they actually execute on any of this. But the promise they're making about Overwatch is uh, Overwatch League or whatever they end up calling it. Is like oh this is the sort of e- this is the sort of esport that I can imagine following. One, I think Overwatch is really accessible as a game to play in a way that most MOBAs are not. Um, yes. I don't know if either of you have played either a lot of MOBAs or a lot of Overwatch. More Overwatch than any MOBA. For yeah, sure. I played a bunch of Overwatch. I played probably like forty hours of Overwatch and then just kind of fell, fell off, off it of just it. because unfortunately. I have to play other games. <laughs> yeah, but, but also Overwatch is yeah. great. I actually played Overwatch for the first time the other night in, in a while. Oh, uh, my God. And yeah. it's good. Not for the first time ever. Sorry. Oh, oh first okay. Time in a I, while. I was very excited for I'd been, you know, I'd been playing I was, was going to be like, who summer. do you ship? Who do you ship? Right. Uh, you Fair know. Mercy, obviously. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, of okay, course. Perfect. Come on. Um, but the... the <laughs> so it's a game that I think is really accessible and, and is uh, a, a really fantastic game to get people thinking about things like... Um, not just shipping, but also like matchups inside of the design, like the game design yes. sense of just like, oh, who does Pharah match up well against in combat? Like who does Roadhog? Who's like who's a good counter to Roadhog? Who who does Genji work well against? Who does he not work well against? And that stuff is really fun to watch in the same way and to figure out in the same way that following sports is like in general. For me, like when I when I was really into the NFL, it was a lot of like, okay, what's this defense about? What's yeah. this and what's yeah. this offensive system about? Oh, this new coach came in from San Francisco and he brought in this whole different style of offense. Let me think about what that's like. I um, mean, that's the equivalent of you know when people use the term the meta, right? Uh, totally, that's that's yeah. what the meta is in the NFL, like. right? <laughs> totally, one hundred percent. Like, oh, we're seeing or like you think about. I, I've said this before, but. Um, it was a shame more video game websites didn't write about the Golden State Warriors last year, who like just dis- disrupted the meta like yeah. badly, and they they still you know didn't walk away as the champions. But like that was a really exciting thing from a pure like gameplay design Absolutely. sense. What Steph Curry was doing, what that whole team was doing, was like oh wow, like they found a way to play that might be OP. Like weird is that a th- is that a thing in real sports? Um, and so being able to have those conversations, I can I feel like I can have those conversations about Overwatch despite having only. Played played 40 hours like you Patrick. right you didn't have to play right. 600 hours of dota to to be able to even sort of understand <laughs> right. kind of what's going on to be able to have that conversation exactly for sure. yeah and then on top of that the notion one the notion that these players will hopefully be paid well and have benefits is great and two the fact that i will be able to buy like a new york whatever like jersey the, the new york zarias the new york zarias yeah. exactly yeah. That like makes me weirdly excited because it is actually kind of great. Like I, I like that they're taking this seriously. At least it seems like yes, they're taking it yes. seriously. They're taking it seriously as a real sport, and they're taking it seriously as a, you know, they're supporting this amazing kind of new property. Mm-hmm. You know, this Overwatch was sort of one of the first new properties in a very long time for Blizzard, and it's like, oh yeah, we've got a hit here. We're gonna really take it seriously. We're gonna seriously support it, and we're gonna totally. We're gonna make a whole new kind of league. An international league. An international also. league actually 
modeled after sort of what works in real life sports. Right. And I think that's super rad. Well, it's because part of what works about uh, the, the city stuff is like I part, part of what I love about being a fan of the Bears or the Cubs or any of these like Chicago teams is that they are Chicago teams, right? Like if you took right. the Chicago Bears and you moved them to Minnesota, I would cease to be a Bears fan. Like part of the the fandom is is part of like the the culture where you come from, like the generational handing down of a fandom right. and like Pride that of is where part you of come intri- from, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's like intrinsically tied to geography, right. and and it, it is yes, it is partially talent in the team, but like it it is so much of that is geography and identifying with like the people around you who are also fans of that because you find that allows you to kind of have a universality of of what you're into or what you know about a certain place. Right. And it's interesting to see if they are able to successfully apply that to, to games in some way. It was, you know, it's one of those things that's taken me a long time to come around on in some ways. I, I, growing up, I was a huge sports fan. I was from South Jersey, which meant I was a Philly fan. I, sure. I liked pretty much a Philly fan. So I liked the Eagles and, and I liked the Flyers and I liked the Phillies, but I hated the 76ers for some reason. I, you know what it was? It was like, I grew up in the Michael Jordan era. So there like, it is. good luck making me like anybody except for Michael Jordan. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, but at the same time, like I also grew up in the Troy Aikman era and fuck the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, yep. So, so America's team, my ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Randall Cunningham will just jump all over y'all. Uh, anyway, so the, the thing, but then I went through a real long phase of like kind of hating local sports pride of just like, you know, I still kind of do a little bit of just like whenever anyone's like, oh, we did this. And it's like, mm, did you? Did Were you part of the team? <laughs> did you call that play? Yeah. Were you the one who, t- who got that tackle? You hit that ball. You hit that ball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but I've totally, I, I think I've come around on the notion of like, so for a long time I hated it because it was like, it felt arbitrary and it felt nationalistic or it felt similar to the sort of like empty nationalism of, of like, Oh, I like it cause it's me. It's where it's mine and therefore it's mine and therefore it's good and better than yours, which is bad and not mine and othered. There's also some gross stuff. Like yes. coming from where I come from, the Boston sports fandoms, have some some issues of course like let's be Absolutely. let's be real there's some gross I, you know i but still I feel do. an affinity towards those totally. those teams but like i do not want to be a racist red sox fan like that <laughs> sure. is not but the hope what is, i want to be in my life the hope is know? that you could be a red sox fan that is not racist exactly. and hopefully of course make, push those people to not be so shitty like, um let's grow up don't be a shitty red don't be a shitty racist red sox don't be exactly. a shitty racist anything fan Just i don't don't be a shitty racist soccer fandom in the uk or in, in europe there's throughout europe there, has yeah. a lot of similar things For sure. but i do think as i get older that there is um, a, a common material connectivity to you and the places you've decided to or have wound up living and <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like being able to have that common ground being able to like root for the Knicks even though you're completely different from them everybody else on the subway with you is a, a sort of joiner that wrote that helps to create and reflect a, a local city character yeah. um, and and we need, I like having more. I would like more of those things. And the same way I, I would love it if the same reason I want museums to be well funded in a city is like, oh, yes. this is part of what the city is. Like, this is part of the culture of the city that we can all like be proud that we have a fucking kick ass museum. Oh, we, we have really great parks. We have a really great, we, like, part of that is like, I want to have a really great football team, just like I want to have a really great ballet. Like, yes. Uh, so, like, when, when you start thinking about it as like a cultural institution that the whole city can join around, I'm like, yeah, actually, that'd be cool if on top of being able to say, like, we have the Met, if I could be like we got the best fucking overwatch team come get us like god damn right um so so that's that's me get ready get ready i'm gonna be decked out i'm gonna get whatever the new york zarya's gear is i'm hoping it's not just character i hope it's like i'm sure it will yeah i don't know what it's gonna be i i don't know i hope it's cool i hope it's weird and sci-fi shit i don't know yeah that'd be cool 
That's the thing. Naming those teams. It's going to be a whole whole thing. I'm close. I have a name I like for the podcast. Yes. But I'm not quite ready to commit to it yet. Yeah. Almost there. Hopefully by Friday. Hopefully. My hope is is Friday we're able to be like, here's the name and like a logo. Yeah. Or like a, a, not a logo. We know no more logos, but like a a graphic. (laughs) Yeah, a little thing. Does anybody have anything else, or should we should we dip into that old question bucket? We should dip. Is that, um uh, well? Let's uh, one when just to kind of uh, Danielle. Do you have any uh, interest in buying a PlayStation Four Pro? Uh, Austin's got. I guess you both have access to one. Yeah, in we have York, one. But... We have one under my desk at work. <laughs> I didn't bring it home because I didn't think I'd have a two. A I only computer. want one. Because I desperately need another PS4. Because I had a whole thing this weekend. Me and my girlfriend, had to, we had to go through our entire PS4. We share a PS4. She's also a game journalist. Everybody right. who knows who she is is fine. Um, and, like, we are at the point where we have, like, eight big-ass open-world games on that PS4. And I, I wanted to download Call of Duty. And, you know, I got the, the cool package that has both, you know, the new Infinite Warfare and... Uh, uh, the older game, Modern Warfare, right? Uh, remastered, and it was like a, it was like Sophie's choice. It was like, oh no, I'm not done with Mafia. She's like, I'm not done with Witcher, right? And I was like, oh, are you done with Battlefield? She's like, no, I'm not done with Battlefield. We had to have a whole thing. So I'm like, I just <laughs> need, need another, console. I just need another console. It might as well be the Pro. Is right. kind of at this point. Yeah, why not? Right? I, I like if it's available. <laughs> the, uh, I need to figure out if, if. Yeah, we'll see. I'm going to test it out this week, and, and I'll hopefully on Friday be able to talk a little bit about what my experiences are. Yeah. I want. I wish there was more support for it, is what I'll say. Is that like when I look at the list of games that are supported, it is not as um, overwhelmingly positive. Not positive. As, it, there aren't that many. It's yeah. like uh, Infamous Second Son and First Light have some good HDR stuff. Sure. Um, Modern Warfare Remastered, I think, looks better. Res Infinite is something I'm curious about, but like I want to be able to put anything in there and have it be better. Yeah. And that is not currently the, the case. Um, all right, so how about this? There's actually something I wanted to do, which is that like part of the thing, though, part of the problem with the question bucket, uh, and there are a couple, I admit. <laughs> I'm not throwing out the question bucket. I'm not throwing out the questions with the bathwater here. I'm keeping it. Yeah. Keeping it. We'll come okay. back to the question bucket maybe next week. You need the bucket for the, the bathwater. Totally. You need the bucket. <laughs> Hashtag need the bucket. Um, <laughs> But uh, well, a thing that happens is, like, we keep pulling these old questions, and people are writing us new yeah. questions all the time. Mm. So here's what, I'm just going to pick the top email that came into our questions thing, and we're going to answer it. Still quit picking the, the bucket. I'm yeah. just, like, skimming from the top. Yeah. What if we, what if, yeah, what if we make that, like, one, you know, one day, one Mondays? Right. It's a new one. It's a new one. There we Fridays, go. Fridays, we'll go, we'll, 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 we'll let old emails possibly be, exactly. uh, you know, make That's it in. That's fair. Totally. So, so this is right from the top. Ready? Okay. Hi, dear. Good day to you. This is Malin from New Concepts in China. We specialize in oh, many no. popular baby products. Want to check to see if you have a chance to do business with you. No, that's not. Yeah. I think that's spam. <laughs> I, don't I don't think, think that, that one worked. was a real question. I should have looked to see if it was a real question. That was not. I should not just pick the top one, I guess. Yeah. In retrospect. You know, the bucket had some, some value, some utility. It did. I guess the, it did have something. All right. Take Take two. <laughs> Huh. A lot of people send in names. Thank you for sending in names. A lot of the people send in names that we already like vetted, believe yeah. it or not. Yeah. Um, all right. This is a good one. This is uh, from Craig Parker, who writes, 
My question is, do you think VR being named virtual reality evokes expectations that are beyond the capabilities of the technology, at least currently? Is the fact that VR's branding is going toe-to-toe with reality itself, giving what success VR tech has a, a sour impression because of its limitations compared to the boundlessness of the real world and that we expect too much? And in a broader sense, do you think that games that try to evoke a scope greater than the sum of their parts suffer because they will always be unfairly compared to the grandiosity of human imagination? For example, No Man's Sky tried to bill itself as something so expansive and infinite in scope that people imagined the scope of every facet of the game to be as expansive, uh, to be as expansive, and many were disappointed. Uh, anyway, I hope you keep the good work. I'm going to continue per- uh, perusing all of the great work you were putting together. I worked really, really hard not to use the word content in that sentence. Oh, very good. <laughs> good work, Craig. Shout out to Craig Parker. Um, yeah, I think, I, I don't know that it's just like, I think there are lots of expectations around VR in general. Um, and I wonder how often the word reality se- like seeps into our mind uh, around this. What do, you, what do you two think? Yeah, I think it's... Uh... I mean, first and foremost, I don't want games that have anything to do with reality. Like, right. I'm the kind of person who wants the surreality. I want I want the actual, the boundless imagination that he sort of describes right. at some point. So, yeah, I, I actually do think it, it's a little bit of a, I, I think it's more of a crutch in terms of it's evoking a 90s vision of, mm. of, of virtual reality was a thing we talked about in the 90s, at least if you're a giant nerd. Right. Um, and it, it's sort of evoking a lot of that stuff. Uh, it's, it's evoking like older technology that was promising too much and then sort of died a little right. bit. So I don't know if it's it's a little bit of a crutch to be sort of relying on that more so than than reality. Here's here's your new reality. Like right. technology is always hyperbolic. Uh, so, of course, <laughs> we'll see. Right. right. Patrick, as, uh, as our names. VR as our biggest VR fan, I think. What do you think? Yeah, n- names don't matter. Branding doesn't like it. Does right? Okay, I'm not going to completely eliminate the idea that like names and brands uh, 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 <laughs> play an influence. But I mean, you know, the biggest console of all time, the Wii, right. like it was called the fucking Wii. Yeah. Like, so it's so yes. Does does virtual reality possibly uh, uh, sort of uh, play a part? Um, maybe you know, have unrealistic expectations, but I don't like if VR fails. It's not because it's it was called, called virtual, virtual reality, yeah. right? Um, and and I, I think there are much larger in terms of the hierarchy of forces working against VR becoming main <laughs> mainstream. Um, I also think most people don't call it virtual reality. I think most people call it VR, VR which point. actually sounds a lot cooler than uh, virtual reality. Um, I, I and- do. I will say though that I think that the things that succeed the most so far for me in VR experiences are the ones that don't try to be quote unquote virtual reality. Right? Like, yeah. They're the ones that want to be. Um, a, a little more out of the box, or a little bit, a little bit more absurd and, and surreal, like you said, Danielle. Like I think about Area X in in um, uh, Res Infinite, or even like Job Simulator, which is like <laughs> uh, like playing at the notion of virtual reality, even right. Like yeah. the whole conceit around Job Simulator is that you put on a VR helmet and then go into an absurdly rendered version of quote unquote the past reality. Um, and so I, I hope that the people who are making – I want the people who are who are technically uh, good at making VR to not feel like what they need to do is make human ex- – just purely human experiences. Um, but you're right, Pat. Well, I guess that's where I think it could affect things, right? Which is that like if what you're – if what people are dumping their te- their resources into is like this needs to look lifelike, mm-hmm. then I'm not sure that's the way to go to get the things that convince people that VR has a future. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, though – yeah, I don't know. I also could imagine a world in which we get to where AR is a real thing, like augmented yes, reality. Yeah, where I could see a company like 
doing the the hit piece attack ad that is like they make virtual reality they're they're, they're like just they're disconnected from the real from the reality around you we just augment the reality you're already part of i would be shocked if that wasn't already a thing i i would like somebody to, yeah. somewhere i mean when you talk to when you read about these ar companies um who are who are obviously the people who who are doing stuff on, with hololens uh patrick what's the company that i always not leap motion is it leap motion yeah, because I always want to say I always want to say leapfrog, and that is a thing for children, right? It's, it's an educational toy. <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, Leap Motion, which is another um, kind of in development augmented reality platform. Wired had a really fantastic story about them last year. Um, they kind of do feel like oh, AR is the future more than VR because of this grounding that it gives you to the real world. That the world around you doesn't disappear; it changes uh, based on what you want to you know put on top of it um and i think some combination of those two is probably the dream tech yeah. uh but but i don't know we'll see you're in a helmet and you're in the real world right exactly like <laughs> it sounds silly but one of the things that i realized a lot via the psvr helmet is just like i wish I, it had a camera on it i wish yes. i could look around my bedroom yeah. while keeping the thing on so that i could adjust something or so that if my phone rings i can grab it and look at it or if i get a text message and that's stuff that i think the wrinkles will be ironed out probably even, yeah even the, vive, the vive does do a bunch of that totally stuff already totally and vive even has like a phone in it right or like skype mm-hmm. or something so yeah I, I think that that's stuff that that should be paid attention to like breaking down the boundary between virtual reality and the the reality and i'm putting scare quotes around all of this because (laughs) (laughs) words but yeah craig thank you so much for for writing in that was a very good question not like the the spam i got first uh you know batting 500 right now that's that's all right right. yeah yeah Yeah. thank you danielle exactly we'll go back to the question bucket on friday things are gonna be different on friday it's the whole world the world is gonna change tomorrow that is a bananas thought and a true one so we're trying to just so you know uh, we're trying to put together a stream for tomorrow so you can maybe come be anxious with us the thing that i'm thinking about is like we'll do one game that is like a a deep you know introspective thought about national character or politics or elections or something and then the next game we'll do it will be like really goofy just like please untense yourself deep breaths or maybe we'll do that like an hour have some catharsis in there yeah Yeah, we're still figuring it out we also don't technically have a space to stream from again might be in the bunker we might be in not this bunker we're in a different bunker different bunker good we'll figure that out patrick what are you going to be doing for election day Uh, trying not to drink too early in the day (laughs) (laughs) oh boy just make it to noon just make it to noon buddy that's all right i i kept that's that's what i say and then we'll, we'll figure it out from there uh, anything else going on on the site this week that people should should look forward to? Thinking, oh, here's the thing that I want to shout out because we've been doing it and, and maybe people don't know is every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday we have a feature that goes up called Free Play, which is just like 300 short words about a game you can go play for free right now. Uh, go check that out because there's some great writers. Uh, so far, I think Janine Hawkins, Cameron Kunzelman, and Jack DeKeat have all contributed to it. They're all favorite, like favorite critics of mine, and, and it's cool to have them doing this short form thing where it's just like, here's a postcard from a world that <clears throat> you can go spend no money to be in real quick. Yeah, I think it's cool that, you know, I just think I'm really proud that we're doing some non-commercial stuff. Me too. It just makes me happy. Me too. It's like, and, yeah. And so go check that out. You can find that uh, if you click, there's like a little icon on our website, waypoint.vice.com or waypoint.zone or bazinga.zone or digitalpyramids.com there you go um, that like opens up a little sidebar and it's in the top left you hit that and then you go to play and then everything under that is just like free free stuff you can go play right now Um, 
What else? I think I have so I have a uh, interview with the designer of uh, Sunrun Kagura, yes. the awesome. uh, otherwise known as the Busty Brawler series, in which um, I was uh, interested in speaking with him because uh, he's one of the few Japanese game designers that sort of openly embraces the fact that his games uh, have like scantily clad women and uh, really infuse action and sexuality, and he's very articulate. Uh, expl- well, you know, you may disagree with why he does it, but he also isn't. Uh, ashamed of, of of doing that. Not even. I'm not even saying that other Japanese designers that do that are ashamed of what they're doing. But they just haven't spoken um, publicly about. They, their they just reasoning. don't talk about yeah. it, especially not in Western media. Right. Um, and so, so we had a, a full interview, kind of diving into his process and, and why he makes the games he does, and, and his views on uh, even criticism of that. Um, and so that'll be sometime this week. Cool. Look um, at some to point, going to get around to explaining to everyone the 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 conclusion to the. Uh, the Poise Saga in oh, Ghost yes. right. Very excited for that. for that. Let's stay tuned for that because that's a that's a big one. Yeah. And then, Patrick, at some point we should talk about effect and cause. I think maybe you and I should talk about it and then put that up as like an IM transcript. <laughs> Good. Okay. That sounds like a fun – That's we live in the world of new media. We do whatever we want. <laughs> that's right. You can find me at twitter.com slash Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Danielle? They can find me at Danielle R.I. What about you, Patrick? Uh, at Patrick Klubik and on uh, Facebook over at uh, P. Klubik. I'm not going to give Facebook names. I'm done. I'm done. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, you're over it? We'll see. We'll see on Friday. We're out with Facebook. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens in the election <laughs> tomorrow. Make some decisions tomorrow. You know, yeah, tomorrow could change it's a lot. Be a Make good decisions. Somewhere. Shout outs to Tim Barnes, who's producing the podcast. Shout outs to Mitch Racken, who's our engineer. Shout outs to Bo N, whose uh, song Miss You off of the EP Pale Machine is our theme. You can find out more at boen.info. Bo-n.info. B-O- like hyphen en dot info three times there it is if you're going to email me just rewind a little bit and say oh who made that song it's bowen make Uh, sure to vote tomorrow yeah get out there go vote please go vote about please the world please and and look into some local and state elections also and know who you should be voting for there also things are on the line it turns out so check that out thank you so much and good luck tune in with us tomorrow on twitch.tv slash waypoint peace When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.